But turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Last week, we took a, a rocket ride through the book of Acts and really looked at John Mark's life, where this, this young man was first found was in a prayer meeting. And a prayer meeting in, in his own house there with his mother. And who shows up? Peter, just being delivered from prison. And what a, what a time that must have been. And then how he got to travel with the Apostle Paul, ultimately leaving Paul and Barnabas to go back home. And we don't know the middle part of that story. You can speculate, uh, speculate with your sanctified imagination what happened. But he ended up coming back and he was profitable for the ministry. Something happened in his life where he, his weaknesses were conquered by the love of Christ, and he found out what true living was like. Uh, true living was, it was not the things of this world like Demas chose, but it was truly serving Christ, truly following after Him. And this first chapter of the book of Mark very much carries that theme of following after Christ. The book of Mark is known as the, the first of the Gospels that were written, and much of the uh, church history tells us that the Apostle Peter was one of the main sources from which Mark was drawing, and, and Scripture would agree with that, with how, how Peter says in 1 Peter 5.13 about how Mark was very close, like a son, uh, to Peter there. And it's hearing the Gospel of Mark that we find that God loves to use weak, surrendered vessels for His glory so that He can speak truth through them. And Mark is one of these people that God chose to show us that very thing. Look with me at verse 1 of chapter 1. The Bible says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And while I would love to go further, and I wanted to go further, God said that this verse right here needs to be our text here for tonight. You cannot go past this first verse without understanding one of the key fundamental truths of which our faith is based upon. The fact that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God. Uh, uh, the, the truth uh, that he is, he is the Son of God is, is where the gospel is built upon. The fact that if Jesus were not the Son of God, our faith would be in vain tonight. You would be sitting here in vain tonight. Hearing from the Word of God, allowing yourself to be fed from the Word of God tonight would all be in vain if Jesus Christ were not the Son of God. But the fact is that He is, He lives, and what we're saying tonight is true because the Bible says it is true, because His Word is trustworthy. Father, tonight, as we look to Your Word, I ask You to work in our hearts. I ask You to, to, to confirm our faith, Lord, in Your promises Assure us that, that, that there is purpose for each one of our lives. And, Lord, that as we live, Lord, we are not alone uh, in this gospel work. Lord, we, we are here as soldiers working because you, you, you are on the ground with us. You are our captain. You want us to be moving forward in gospel advance because you live. There is something different. And, and Lord, thank you for those that have, have trusted you as Savior here tonight. Lord, I pray that your word would be illumined to each heart, Lord, by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mark starts this, this account under inspiration of God with the sentence that defines this account. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
it, with the other Gospels, such as Mark and Luke, it starts with another very foundational truth, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And, and that, is, that is very important, another key foundational truth. But here, God led Mark specifically to focus in on Jesus' identity. One, that's one of the, the greatest foundational questions in all of society today, in all of life today, is who is Jesus? And we'll get to that question in just a moment. But here tonight, I want to focus in on three key truths that are found in this verse uh, the, firstly, focusing on the fact that this is the gospel. And I don't mean this is one of the four gospels, although it is. But what Mark is referring to here is not uh, the, the entirety of the book. He's referring to the gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and he rose again for our salvation. This, is, this word gospel in the Greek means good news or good tidings. And, and this was something, uh, we spoke uh, a while there ago during Christmas time about how those, those angels brought those shepherds, those good tidings that night, and how that must have been an amazing sight. But it is not just any good news. I can give you a lot of good news. I can give you some good news, hopefully, you know, uh, uh, I can't give you good news about the economy, but other things, <laughs> uh, I, I, there, there's good news that I can give you today that is going on in our world about what God is doing abroad and other things like that. But, but this is a different type of good news. One in it, all of its, its own kind. This is the good news. He classifies it as the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This message that we, we are hearing as we step into this, this book of Mark, it's the story of salvation. The fact that Jesus Christ is the only one, capital O, that fulfills that salvation message. And when the Bible tells us that, that it is bringing to us, as we are listening to this, as you're reading God's word for yourself, as a soldier of Christ, knowing that these are your these are your battle plans that the Savior is giving to you, and God is speaking to you that this is not just black words on a white page. And the Bible is saying it's bringing to you, to your heart, good news. It is good news that we can count on. Why? Because, first of all, the words of God show forth His faithfulness to us. All throughout Scripture, it accounts to that, especially at the end of the book of Revelation. Twice at the end of the book of Revelation, God says to, to John to write down these words because they are true and faithful. Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he that saith unto me, These are the, the, the true sayings of God. A couple chapters later, in Revelation chapter 21, and verse 5, the Bible says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And then in chapter 22, God says, And he said unto me, this is John speaking, but God speaking to him, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. Revelation 22, 6. Not only does the Word of God speak to its faithfulness to us, that we can count on it, that we can count on it, but specifically the gospel shows forth the very faithfulness of God. 
1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul speaking that, knowing that if, if there was anyone, that, if he was the only one that, that was on planet earth, Jesus would have still come to save him. He, he knew that, that the gospel was that powerful. This is the gospel. Secondly, focusing on the, the identity of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Showing forth one of the glorious ways that Jesus Christ relates to you as a believer. He is your glorious Savior. He is your Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, probably one of the most well-known passages on what the gospel is. That first verse, Paul is saying to them, I'm declaring to you this good news, the gospel. And then in verses 3 and 4, he declares what that gospel is. For I have I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Tonight we, we sung about several things that Jesus Christ is to us as believer, believers. He is our resurrected Lord. He's our King of kings. He's our general. He is the one that leads us into battle. He's our guide. He's our friend. He's our counselor. He's our strength. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is our rock. He is our provider. He is our advocate with the Father. But mark it down. All of those things are wonderful things as a believer. But one cannot experience any of those things without first experiencing the very fact that Jesus Christ must first become your Savior. And that, that is, that as, as believers who have, who have trusted, people who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, come to realize all that they are, that they have in Jesus Christ and all that they are in Him. As the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy there was by His birth, life, death, burial, and glorious resurrection. And He was not keeping track of every prophecy and having a checklist of prophecies that were yet to check off. He was living forth the very Word of God and, and, and completed every single one of those prophecies. This is the gospel of who Jesus Christ was. He was our glorious Savior. But then we see at the end of this verse, He was much more than that. He was our Savior. He did come to save us, but He was, in fact, deity. He was the Son of God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. One of, as I mentioned at the beginning of the message, one of the life's greatest questions is, who is Jesus? Many times people will come up to you and, and, and they'll understand some form of God or, or higher power or the... But I've, I've had several people ask me the question, who is Jesus, especially children? And one of the best places to begin for anyone who is seeking that, for anyone who is seeking that in their own lives, is right here in the Gospels. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in that short statement, Mark answers this most fundamental question. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. 
And, and I want to I wanna focus in on, on that statement and park here for, for the rest of our time and really for, show us three, three, three things that that statement says about who Jesus is. What does this statement, the Son of God, mean? Firstly, it is a statement about his relation, his nature and his relation to the Father. This is who he is. It is in no way, in no way, pointing to some marital relationship that God the Father had with any woman that resulted in the Son of God. That is a false teaching that is held by Muslims and Mormons in their own separate ways. That, that is not how the Son of God, that is not why he is called the Son of God. Instead, when we see that Jesus is called the Son of God, it is a statement that is being made about his nature and his relation to the Father. One of the greatest verses that we know of, and probably the most uh, prominent, well-known verse today, is John 3.16. And it tells us about this, it explains to us, speaks to this very truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and while, while the word begotten sometimes in our English minds would, would conjure up thoughts of a physical birth, like we would read through the Old Testament and this person begat this person, this person be, that is not what this word means. The, the Greek word for begotten is the Greek word monogenes, which means one of a kind or unique, the only one of its kind or class. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the only begotten of the Father. He is the only one of His kind. You say, well, how does that relate to me as a believer? As believers, we understand that we are sons and daughters of the King. We are sons and daughters, and, and we should rightfully so think that way. But it is a far different sense than Jesus Christ is a son of the Father. In fact, the expression, the Son of God, when the Greek word son appears in the singular, as it does here in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and 37 other times throughout the New Testament, when it appears in the singular, it is only talking about Jesus Christ. Other places it talks and refers to us as sons and daughters of the King, but that is a totally different thing. Here, Jesus Christ is, is talked about in, in this statement, the Son of God referring to his nature and his relationship to the Father. It's a statement that also affirms that he possesses the same divine nature as the Father. That several verses throughout Scripture. I don't have time to give you all of them, but where we'll be in Colossians in a few weeks, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For in him, that is Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ, in his time here on earth, John chapter 10, verse 30, said, I and my Father are one. Speaking that, that he was equal, equal deity with the Father. John chapter 20 and verse 28, they're there in the, in the, in the, in the place after Jesus Christ 
had, had risen from the dead, and Jesus comes in, and, and Thomas puts his hands into, into the holes in, in Jesus' hands and then into the side. And what does he cry out? He says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus does not rebuke him, confirming that he was indeed deity. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6, who being in the form of God thought it, not, uh, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. This is who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. And it, th- that statement affirms that he possesses the same divine nature as the Father, which is awesome because you are in him. And I can truly say that that is awesome, not like the word is used today. The fact that he possesses that same divine nature of the Father, one God in three persons, blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lastly, it is a statement, the fact that he is the Son of God is a statement that can be verified. The, the, the great Egyptian pharaoh, Thutmose III, made an astonishing statement when he was, he was ruling in the 14th century B.C. The God, he said this, The God of heaven is my father, I am his son. He has begotten me and commanded me to sit on his throne. Sounds like something maybe that Jesus would have said. But... How could someone assess that whether Tutmos's claims were valid? One doesn't have to look far. You need only check his tomb. His body is still there. His body is still among us. Tutmos claimed to be God's son, but yet he could not conquer death. He died like every other Egyptian commoner. And here, whereas Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God did rise again. We sang tonight, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. It speaks to the fact that He truly is deity. He did defeat sin. He did defeat death. He did defeat hell for you. And you can, you can know that, that you have purpose because of it. You have a Savior. You have assurance of a home in heaven because He beat death for you. Moments ago, we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 how that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And it goes on to say in verse 5 that he was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. In Romans chapter 1, as Paul was writing about, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he said this in verses 3 and 4 of Romans chapter 1, Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. There is, there is one thing that you need only look to for validation, is the fact that we have a living Savior. We have a living Savior. You might say, That's, this is great. This is great to understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But what does that have to do with me personally? How, how, what, what, does that, what does that need to do with, with, mean for me personally? First of all, if you've never trusted Christ for salvation, the Bible states in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. 
For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Ver, uh, John chapter 1 verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If, it's, if you're here tonight and you've never believed on Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior, then that's where it needs to start. That the Son of God would, would be able to find a home, would be able to find room in your heart tonight. But for those of us that are believers, those of us that have trusted Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, that He is the Son of God, that He rose again means that your life has purpose. It means that it's more than just working a nine-to-five. It means that it's more than just uh, getting up, uh, going through a busy day, living through the business that we talked about a while ago, and, and, and going to bed and getting up and doing it all over again. My life has purpose now it never had before, as the song says. We can truly follow him knowing that he has promised to be with us. You think about the, the life that each one of those disciples lived before they met Jesus. Uh, think about Peter and James and John, fishermen, Andrew and, and uh, all, all, all those disciples, Thomas, what they were, what they were Matthew, uh, Levi, as a tax collector. And then they met Christ and they began to follow him and their life totally changed. And we'll get to that as we we come through the first, first chapter of the book of Mark. But there's a key statement that he, he, he gives to each one of them. Follow me. As a believer in Christ, knowing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that your life now has purpose, you can truly follow him knowing that I'm never going to be alone again. I, my life is never going to be without purpose again. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I'll close with this. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Praise God. Praise God that, that our faith is not in vain, that He is who He says He is. He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And as we continue to walk through the, the book of Mark, really my prayer is in the coming weeks is that each one of us would not just be assured in our faith that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, but that we would be so firmly rooted in Christ that we would strive hard after following him. Let's pray.